We're glad to be here. Isn't it amazing that you can have someone last week and winter this week? <laughs> so, so for those of you who are not from Boston, from New England, um, if you don't like the weather, just hang around for a minute. It'll change. It'll change. Something will come up that you'll like. Something will come up that you'll like. So good, good to see all of you here, and uh, thank you for pressing through. Uh, the evening snow, just to kind of get in things, uh, so it may have delayed you a little bit, but certainly welcome. And so uh, we're going to get right to the Word of God, and then we're going to have some worship, and that's kind of our format. Uh, we ain't done worshiping. Tell your neighbor, we're not done worshiping. We're not done worshiping. We ain't done worshiping. So if you just came in, you still can get your worship on, and uh, God is good. He's faithful to us. Isn't God faithful to us? He's faithful. Has God been faithful to you? He's been faithful to you. Um, so at this time, uh, if you have a child between the ages of 2 and 10, uh, please allow them to go to Children's Church, and uh, they'll return back to us um, after our time of, of ministry, and they'll have some time to worship with us. Uh, also, how many of you are, are just still in this process of fasting with us? You, this is the season by which we're, we're fasting the first week, all right? We got, we got uh, 21 days of fasting, um, and we're fasting simply because... We're, we're focusing on what God has for us next. Um, we're fasting because there, there is a promise that God has <clears throat> made for us as his people. Um, there are some things that God wants to do in your life going forward into the future. And uh, part of the fast is really preparing us to step into the promises of God and actually experience what he's already promised that he give us. And so it, it, the fast is really to get us ready. Um, I have a word for you, for you today, and I'm, I'm really spending a lot of time in the book of Joshua um, because the book of Joshua is the book of conquest. It is the book of battle. That every blessing that God will promise us, it usually comes with a battle of some sort. It, it comes with some type of opposition of some sort. Some are natural opposition, some are spiritual oppositions, but it does come with opposition. So this year, as we are called to be overcomers, uh, this, is, this is a season where it's important that you not be weak-spirited. Don't be weak-spirited. Um, this, this is uh, the Dr. Martin Luther King uh, celebration of the holiday where we remember a civil rights leader, a drum, a drum major for justice. And what made him who he was is not simply because he was a preacher of the gospel or not simply because he had um, just the enthusiasm to see um, civil rights um, and justice happen. But really, what if you read a lot of his writings and a lot of his speeches, you'll see that Dr. King was not weak-spirited. And certainly he had times of weakness, don't get me wrong. He had times of fear. He was a human being. But to be able to confront the powers of the day, the issues of the day, he could not have been weak-spirited. And so it's just what we, what we need to understand as people of faith. We're, we're called into a world that can look very dark and hostile. And if you're not careful, you'll start, telling, start talking about what the news is telling rather than the good news, which is the word. That you can get so caught up in what's going on in the news of the world that you forget that that's not really God's news. Because God's news is there to, to really strengthen your spirit, and you need to feed on things that's going to keep you strong and keep you vibrant in faith. And because the day has come, the day is coming that people are going to wander away from the faith. They're, they're going to grow weak in faith. They're going to ask themselves, why should I continue on in faith? But yet the Lord wants us to be strong in faith, and he wants us to understand that we cannot be weak-spirited. And if you want to get victory in your life, whether it's physical victory, financial victory, uh, whether you want to get spiritual victories, you, you, you can't be weak-spirited. Tell your neighbor, this is not the time for weak-spirited people. Now, you said that kind of weak. You said that kind of weak. You said like you're not sure about that yourself. Tell your neighbor again, this is no time for you to be weak-spirited. No time to be weak-spirited. Not at all. 
Um, yes, yesterday, yesterday was very interesting when I, I came in for prayer. Um, yesterday morning, we had prayer from 830 um, to around 10 o'clock. And I came into prayer and I was just a little bit late, um, later than I'm usually uh, coming about quarter, quarter, about quarter nine. I got here. Um, and when I came around the front, the front door wouldn't open. And so I said, well, maybe it's locked. And I got, I got keys to the door. So I'm turning the lock. And of course, the lock doesn't, doesn't move. Uh, so I came through the back and I went out through the front, tried to get out through the front. So I pushed the door and the door wouldn't open. I said, well, that's kind of strange because whether it's locked from the outside or open from the outside, when you push a panic bar, the door should always open. Correct? Because if there's a fire, you want to make sure that the door opens so people can get out. So I'm pushing the door and it doesn't open. And I said, man, this is, this is kind of interesting here. And then I heard, throw your weight on it. So I read back a little bit, and I, started, and I just threw my weight on the door, and the door opened. And it's interesting that there was a lot of folks who were in prayer here who did the same thing, but they never threw their weight on it. And because they didn't throw their weight on it, they never got the door open. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you know what, you need to throw your weight around. You don't hear what I'm saying. Spiritually, maybe a door will not open for you because you ain't throwing no weight on it. Maybe the door is not locked. Maybe it's just stuck. And you need to throw your weight on it. You need to throw some more prayer on that thing. Could I get a witness in the building? You need to throw some more praise on that building. Uh, you, need to, you need to throw some more praise at that area of your life. And then when you throw your weight on it, you'll see that the thing will open. Yes. And what was interesting, people came through the door like nothing happened. Because once you throw your weight on something, open the door, you never know what's behind or who's behind that door. And if you throw your weight on it, God will open some things for you. Amen. Amen. That's a free word for you right there. All right, how about we stand and let's do some reading. Is that okay? You ready to do some reading? Let's go to Joshua chapter 3, verses 1, and let's, let's read through verse 17. If you have a Bible or, or a device, you can read your Bible through that, or we have it on the screen, and uh, you should be able to follow along with us as we read. I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible, and I want to share a word with you entitled, Put Feet to Your Faith. Put Feet to Your Faith. If you're going to actually... Enter into God's highest and best. You've got to put some feet to your faith. Here he says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to Jordan and where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. It says, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out. Somebody say, move out. You ought to move out from your positions and follow it. And then you will know which way to go, since you've never been this way before. But keep, keep a distance, about 2,000 cubits, between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. And so they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel. And so you may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests to carry the Ark of the Covenant. And when you reach the edge of the Jordan waters, go and stand in the river. And Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And this is how you will know that, you are you are, that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, and some of the Cambridgeites. <clears throat> oh, sorry, that was just a misprint. said, see the ark of the covenant of the Lord and all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. And now then choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of, 
of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. And so, and when so, or so when, the, the people broke camp and crossed the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. And now the Jordan was at flood stage all during the harvest. And yet soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their foot touched the, the water's edge, the waters from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away called Adam and the vicinity of Zarephath. And while the water flowed down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed until the whole nation had completed. Everybody say completed. Completed. God said complete the thing. Tell your neighbor it's time to complete the thing. Don't leave it undone. Don't leave it undone. Don't settle for not finishing. Don't settle for not getting there. He says when the nation had completed the crossing on dry ground, putting feet to your faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you for just reading your word. We are encouraged to know, Lord, that you're a God that works on our behalf. Father, we, we pray that, Lord, as we speak, that you would anoint us. And I pray that every heart and every ear will be open to you. God, you have some specific things to say about destiny, some specific things to say about how we can cross and how we can complete what you have spoken unto us. And so we believe by faith, Lord, and we receive all that you have to say for us. We obey you today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you as you're seated. Thank you for standing. The passage that we read, there are two things that I just want you to keep in mind, two, two, two things that I want you to keep in mind about this passage. The passage gives us the instructions and we Joshua now is at the place where he brings the people to the, 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 the river Jordan and he's at the borders and he's ready to prepare them to cross into the land of Canaan, a land that was promised uh, way back since Abraham. Thousand years before, before in, in Abraham, he was promised about a land that they would inherit a land. And so now is the time for them to actually go into the promised land, but they're going to actually have to understand how to live there. They have to understand that there's battles in the promised land and how to really prepare themselves for what's ahead. And so now, as they are in this place, where they are now ready to cross into the promised land, they have to really understand this this concept. Joshua is told that in the first chapter that God is going to allow him to take the land, but he has to do some very critical things. And that is he has to meditate on the word. He has to keep his eyes from going to and fro, but meditate and to concentrate and focus and obey what God has spoken to him. He has to be strong and very courageous. He has to understand that this is a time where the Lord said, if you do those things, you'll be successful. How many of you here want to be successful? Now, when it comes to being successful, all of us, including myself, want to be successful. We want to make sure that we are accomplishing something and even accomplishing something worthy and great. But sometimes our concept of success is not the same as God's. My concept of success is not always the same as God's. Because my concept of success could be something that I have or get materially. Meaning that if I get a nice car, that's success. If I have some money in the bank, that's success. If I have a certain kind of job, that's success. If I have a long list of followers on Facebook, that's success. Uh, some, some of us, we have different understanding of success, that we want to achieve something. But here's what I want to tell you, that when you look at success from God's point of view, it's simply this. Success is really about doing what God wants done. That's really what it is. It's simply doing what God wants done. If you look at Jesus' life, 
The prayers of John 17 are the prayers of, of Jesus. When Jesus prayed, not only did he pray for the unity of his disciples, but he says, I finished the work that you have called me to do. I completed the work that you called me to do. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is finished. Man's redemption has been paid. He, he understood that success was, it was in, enveloped in the will of God for his life. I, I wonder if somehow we, we'll get to heaven and while we may have a list of accomplishments, would God say to us, you accomplished some great things, but you missed out on the very important thing. You left some things that I wanted to do undone. So when we come to the Lord in that day of, of judgment, we want him to say, well done, thou good and what? Faithful servant. And it's in, 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 in my view of success is, that as I grow older, that I know that I'm going to face God at some point. And he's not going to ask me, well, how many cars did I drive? He's not going to ask me, how much money do you got in the bank? He's not going to ask any of those. He's not going to ask how many pairs of shoes you got. And were they red bottom? He's not going to ask you, did you, have fur, did you get your fur coat that you always wanted? He's not going to ask, how many degrees do you have? Or did you go to, the, to a private school or a parochial school or whatever? He's going to ask, okay, well, with, with all of that, why those are achievements, did you do what I called you to do? Because that's the reward. That's what you're going to be rewarded for, ladies and gentlemen. That, that matters. That, that, that's the thing that really matters. Did, did, you, did you invest yourself in the salvation and the encouragement of others? Did you, did you love others as I loved you? Did, you? did you serve? Did you minister to the poor? Because I am among the poor. Because if you, if you were blessing the least of these, you were also blessing me. Did you find your gift? And did you discover your gift? And did you do all you could to use your gift for the expansion of the kingdom in the church? Or was it really about you and making money and, and getting famous and doing all of that? I, I think that success needs to be redefined. Remember the man in the, in the New Testament, there was a man who was very wealthy, and he built these huge barns. And he said to himself, you know, I'm a very wealthy guy. He had huge amounts of wealth, huge amounts of materials, huge amounts of stuff. And he said, "Whoa, I don't think I need anything. And then he had a visitation. And the visitation of the angel said, you know, tonight your soul is going to be required of you. And then who and what? Are you going to be, what's going to be done with all the stuff you collected? Because what shall a man do if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? So you can have a whole lot of stuff and lose your soul. But if you have the right understanding of success in God, you can lose your stuff. You see, you ain't saying nothing to me. You, you, you could lose, like Job, you could lose your health. You could lose your substance. And yet you understand that at the end of it all, you can say, God, you know the way that I take. And that when I come out of this, I shall come forth as pure gold. So you have to have a redefining of success. And so Joshua is now beginning to enter into the place. And these two principles are at work in this passage. One is, you find that God gives very clear details on what they're supposed to do. He gives them very clear details. He tells them how to align themselves. He tells them, the priests, how they're supposed to carry the ark. He tells them what direction to go in. He tells them, listen, when you see the ark, when you see the box... 
and the priest carrying the box. I want you to go right behind that. Don't go in front of it. Don't go on the side of it. Go in back of it. How many of you know you got to keep God in front of you? You got to keep you got to keep him. If I'm going to be victorious, I got to keep him in front of me. Um, I can't I can't just just kind of just look at the person in front of me. I got to look at the God who's in front of me. He gave them very clear details. And the second part of the passage is, is how they implemented the details. So what are you saying? Before we get into a little bit of the, the, of the details of what's happening here, you've got to understand that what God says and what you do matters. It's like the person who never baked a cake and they get a Betty Crocker box. You know Betty, right? Or Dolly or whoever. You know, you get, you get the box. Now, on the back of it, they usually put the ingredients that you need to have if you're going to make the chocolate cake. But if you decide that you want to veer off and put different measurements in the process, you shouldn't be upset if the cake comes out wrong. Is that, is that, is that true? You shouldn't be upset if the cake doesn't come out the way it's supposed to. Um, years ago, my, mo- my mother used to sew. When she sewed, she had this thing called patterns. And, and it was these, uh, this little um, paper, the brown paper, very flimsy paper, and it had a lot of lines on it. I never understood what the lines meant. I really didn't know. But after a while, I understood that when she cut in these lines and she followed this pattern, the actual picture that was on the front, Right? That's what you're supposed to get, what's on the front. So if one sleeve was up here and one sleeve was down here, it wasn't because the pattern was messed up. It's because you cut it wrong. You can't go back and sue the person that made the pattern. You got to say, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did I measure correctly? Did I cut it correctly? Did I improvise? There are places where you should never improvise on God's instruction. Come on, there's, there's some place when you play music, you should not improvise. It's no time for you to do solo. <laughs> am, I, am I right, musicians? If I'm right, let me, let me hear. Am I right, musicians? There's no, you know, it's not time for you to kind of break away and do your thing. It's time for you to stay in the pocket. And, and, you know, sometimes we like to improvise on what God has in mind, and all we do is just kind of mess up the song. And then we say, well, you know, I was just feeling it. I was getting the vibe going. Yeah, you got the vibe, but the song is all wrong. Nobody has no idea what you're trying to play. And it sounds terrible. The cake is gone. The cake is falling. It tastes terrible. It's not edible. And so when God gives us instructions, there are some things that he wants us to do the way he wants us to do it. And so we need to take heed to that. And so Joshua is now told what he needs to do. In this year of overcoming, there are instructions that God is going to give you to do, and you shouldn't veer away from it. You shouldn't improvise, compromise, because we, in, in, in Joshua, there are some places when they compromise, they lost the victory. And sometimes our compromise loses us the victory. We mess up because we want to be nice. We mess up because we want to improvise or we want to try to improve on the product. You don't need to improve on God's product. It already works. Tell your neighbor, it already works. It, it works. If you work it, God will work. God, it works. So here is the understanding of victory here. In John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, that's our theme memory verse for the year. It says, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. For who is the one that overcomes the world? Well, it's the one who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that everyone who is born of God can overcome. But yet, 
the victory that we get cannot be achieved without faith. So let me talk on faith. Is that okay? What exactly is faith? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God or she or anyone who comes to God must believe that God exists and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. So that when it comes to faith, we we understand here that, number one, faith pleases God. Faith pleases God. Can you say that with me? Faith All right, one next slide. Faith pleases God. So when you have faith, God is pleased. How many really want to please God? Raise your hand. You want to please? I want God to be happy. A happy God means a happy Larry. You know, you know, there are certain people when they're happy, everybody's happy. If God is happy, we want to be real happy. And what makes them happy is faith. Faith in him. Second thing, that, that faith is also means that I believe God is, exi- exists. I mean, he's alive. The text says that Joshua, he was going to actually experience God being alive. Now, that's a very important thing to know if you are facing opposition. If you are facing things that are overwhelming. You must understand that you're a child of God and the God you serve is alive. Because if you don't believe that God is really alive, then you might turn to something else that you think can save you. You hear what I'm saying? Remember Elijah? Maybe you don't, but there's a story of Elijah. Elijah is confronting the prophets of Baal. Jezebel has all these prophets of Baal, Jezebel and Hair. And, 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 and when they challenge, when he challenges the prophets of Baal, the prophets of Baal, 450 prophets, they're out there and they're saying, you know what, we, we got a God too. And Elijah says, well, let's put him to the test. If your God is so big and bad, let's see what he can do. And so he tests God, and the children of Israel, they're in the middle. They're halting between two opinions, whether or not the God that they serve is really, truly God. And so he says, know what? The God that answers by fire, let him be God. So Elijah says, all right, why don't you all go first? Let's test and see if your God is alive. So they start calling on God. They start cutting themselves. They start screaming. They start ranting and raving. And their gods do not answer. And so Elijah says, well, maybe your God went on vacation. Y'all need to read the Bible. There's a lot of, a lot of funny things in there. He said, maybe your God's on vacation. And, or maybe your God is going to the bathroom. He don't, he don't really hear you. But then after they have cut themselves and they have gone through all of their semantics and all of their foolishness, he said, all right, it's time for me to call on the living God. And as he sets up the altar, pours the water down the altar, licks up the, the, he says, all right, he calls on God and fire comes down from heaven, licks up the sacrifice, licks up the water, really actually burns the stone to ash. He said, wow, this is the God that's alive. In fact, the children of Israel who didn't say anything said, that's the real God. Sometimes, I'm not too sure the way believers act if they really believe God is alive. Because if we believe that God was alive, we may not say the things we say. Or do the things we do. The present, in other words, because God is alive, you're aware that he's present. He's present. He's present in my trouble. He's present. He's alive when I'm going through struggle. He's alive when I have overwhelming circumstances. He didn't didn't go on vacation just because I I fail at times. Wish I got an amen in the building. 
He, 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 he's not, he doesn't go away some, because I didn't come to church one Sunday. Well, he's only with me when I go to church on Sunday. If that's the way you live and that's the way you believe about God, you won't got God 52 weeks out of the year because you don't come here 52 weeks out of the year. I don't even come here 52 weeks out of the year. So I know I need to have a God that's alive wherever I go. He said, I'll be with you wherever you go. God is with you wherever you go. When you go to work, he's with you. When you ride the bus, he's with you. When you're in your car, he's with you. You don't hear what I'm saying. You got to believe that God is alive and he's well and he's present. Faith. Believe God's alive. But faith brings rewards when I earnestly, earnestly seek after God. When I seek after God, it brings rewards. Faith rewards you. Faith rewards you. Well, what am I going to get out of it? A healing. Is that good? That's, that's better than Blue Cross, I think. Come on now, that's better than Tufts, right? Better than, I'd rather have a miracle healing than have a Tufts insurance policy. Come on now. Financial abundance, is that, that's a reward. Long life, that's a reward. Come on, peace in your soul, peace in your house. Is that a reward? Everybody that goes home don't have no peace in their house. That's a reward, that's a reward. Faith has rewards if we earnestly seek after him. And so when it comes to faith, we need to understand that our faith also has to have feet to it. Feet to it. So let me roll through this. The Lord said in Joshua chapter 1 verses, verse 3, he said, Joshua, you have promises in the promised land or in Canaan. But here's what you have to do. You have to put your foot on it. Every place where you put your feet, that's where I've given it to you. I want you to do for one, one thing for me right now. I want you to start stomping your feet. Okay, stomping your feet. That's good. That's good. That means you do have feet. <laughs> but how many of you know that there are times when your feet fall asleep? Yes. Anybody have a sleepy foot every now and then? Yeah, somehow the circulation doesn't get down there. And you start to stand up and you start to wobble a little bit and the foot doesn't move. And then when the foot doesn't move, you kind of just kind of give it a stomp or something to kind of get the blood flowing. I think we need to give our faith feet a stomp every now and then. Just to let, just to let, just to let God know that your foot is going somewhere. You, you got to put your feet forward. You got to get your foot moving. And so he says here, every place where you set your foot, I have given it to you. Here's some things I want to share with you about the passage very quickly. When it comes to faith, faith is action. Faith is action. Faith is not only what I believe. Faith is action. I could believe that I need to go to California. But if I'm going to get to California by plane, I'm going to have to buy a ticket. And usually I buy my tickets online. Anybody know we buy tickets online? Now let me ask you a question. Who's controlling that stuff? Anybody know? No? You don't know. Yeah. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know who's behind there. You hope that the ticket you got is real. So you got your ticket. You, you put it in your wallet or whatever it is on your device. You go down to the airport. And you hope that there's a plane at the airport. <laughs> You, you, trust, you trust the screen that the screen says, all right, you're going, the gate C5 is the gate. And you're hoping that is the plane that's going to fly you where you want to go. You don't know where that plane is actually going. That plane could be going somewhere else. So, so it's not that we don't have faith. We do. But when it comes to the things of God and the things that happen in life, we somehow do not connect practicality with how to use our faith. So we panic 
We fall out. We quit. We give up because we don't really understand how to use faith. But here's what we want to understand about using faith. Number one, we want to understand that, first of all, when you walk by faith, faith means leaving your comfort zone. The Lord said to them, when when you see the ark of God moving, go after it. Leave the space where you are and go where the ark is going. Now, the interesting thing, well, where's the ark going? The ark is going towards Jordan River. Now, if I was following an ark, I would say, well, wait a minute now. I can see the ark, but also I can see where it's going. The ark is not going on dry ground. The ark is going in the river. Would you follow somebody in the river? I hope you wouldn't. You, you, it's, 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 it's like the Lord said to them, you're going to have to be used to being uncomfortable when it comes to following me by faith. Now, here's where we, where we mess up, because we like com- to be comfortable. You, you don't have to say amen. I'll say amen for you. I like to be comfortable. I like security. Don't, I don't like surprises. How many of you like surprises? Anybody here like surprises? All right, you are different from me. I don't like surprises. Don't surprise me with nothing. Don't, no, no, no. I, I, don't want, I don't want you to surprise. No, I, no. I, look. I'll tell you what I want for Christmas. <laughs> right, Brother Ron? We, we the same, right? We the same. I don't, I don't want, well, well, you know, I'm going to surprise. No, don't surprise me. I got a list. <laughs> I got a list, right? The list is right here. And I tell you the color. I'll tell you the size. And I'll tell you where to get it. Come on now. My wife knows that. I don't, I don't like surprises. The, the, Lord, the, Lord, the Lord said to them, listen, you, you're going to have to get used to being uncomfortable. And, and, and faith doesn't feel comfortable. It doesn't feel comfortable. It feels very uncomfortable. It feels very insecure. When, when the Lord told Abraham, Abraham, um, you're going to be the father of faith. I'm sure he got excited, but then he goes on and says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply your seed. I'm going to bless you in such a way where the families of the earth are going to be blessed. And he said, whoa, until he was told, get up, leave your country, (laughs) leave your kindred. Leave all your comfortable stuff and go to a land. Where am I going? I'll show it to you. Well, where's I'll show it to you? I'll show it to you. Well, how far is that? I'll show it to you. Is it close? No, I'll show it to you. It was uncomfortable. And some of of the times, admittingly, I lose the blessing because I'm comfortable. I lose my opportunity because I'm comfortable. How much opportunity have you lost because you were so comfortable? God put an opportunity in your life. And he put it there so that he would just say, hey, here's here's something more that you could have. But yet you look back and said, but what am I going to do with all of this? This is wonderful. And out of your wonderful comfortableness, you missed possibly the best years of your life. Where could you have traveled if you weren't so comfortable? Well, you know, Brother Ron, there's a whole lot of terrorism out there. But there's a lot of nice places you can go. No, really, really, terrorism is out there. It's a possibility that there's a whole lot of evil that could happen out there. But boy, I saw some nice places because I'm willing to not be comfortable. And some of us in this room right now, the word is for you, you're just too comfortable. 
You didn't, go to, you didn't go to school and get your degree not because you couldn't do it, but you were too comfortable. Do you hear what I'm saying? You're, you're, you're too comfortable, and you didn't want to give up any time or sacrifice to study or to reach further than where you are. And so you miss opportunity because you're comfortable. There are guys hanging on the street corner right now who could be entrepreneurs, but they're so comfortable wheeling and dealing, peddling the drugs. huh? And after a while, they're going to have a woulda, shoulda, coulda. Tell your neighbor, you don't want a woulda, shoulda, coulda. Now, for some of you, now some of you don't know what that is. The woulda, shoulda, coulda is, man, I would have done that. I should have done that. I could have been. I could have done. But because you're so comfortable, you're so cozy and warm, you never ever took faith and put your foot to it. There was no steps that you took. What would happen if you just took a step? Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. What happens if you would just take some steps and throw your weight behind something? Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. What would happen? What would happen to your family if, if all of us would just take some steps? I think that's what Martin wanted. He don't want us just to just enjoy civil rights. He wants us to take some steps to every person. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. Every person is experiencing what they deserve. You have to leave the comfort zone. My job this year is to make you uncomfortable. Now, only four people was clapping. (laughs) Only four people said, whoa, all right. But whether you clapped or not, I'm going to make you uncomfortable. <laughs> See, because when, you, when things are so comfortable, it never, it never really performs the way it does. It's supposed to. See, you're, you, if you ever watch your washing machine watch, cl- wash clothes, and I'm a crazy person. I'm I just interested and infatuated with how things work. And so we have, we have a new machine. We have like the, the front end loading machine. So I just stood back and watched how the clothes are washing. And I said, wow, these clothes are being punished. They're being beaten. They're, they're, I mean, the clothes are going upside down and centrifugal force, and then it went right, and then it went left. But you know what? When I put those clothes on, Brother Ron, I said, thank God my machine's not comfortable. Because if it just sat there humming, I couldn't put on the clothes. See, when you become comfortable, you don't change. You don't change. You don't change. You don't change. You don't want to change. Things can be going downhill. You just say, I refuse to change. You don't change. And anytime I get too comfortable, I said, there's nothing changing. There's nothing changing. And you start saying the same old thing and singing the same old song and doing the same old thing. You want change, but you're too comfortable to move forward. The second thing is that you have to take obedient steps. If we want to put our feet forward and, and experience victory, you've got, you got, you got to take obedient steps. Because faith is not simply, I have it in my thinking, but I have it in my actions. I'm going to do something. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to do something. 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 
There, there's a book that I started reading called Atomic Habits. Has anybody read that book? Anybody heard about it, Atomic Habits? Um, I'm sorry? It's, it's, it's called Atomic Habits. You can look it up. Um, it, this, this, the writer, whose last name is Clear, his, his last name is Clear, he, he, he had a severe accident which actually almost took his life. But through the power of dealing with his habits, he understood how to make change. And he talks about the fact of that it doesn't take a big thing, it takes a small thing to bring a big change. Right? He said, for instance, if a person wants to lose weight, It first starts with how do they develop habits that will cause them to develop a lifestyle of wellness. So he says, don't try to run to the gym and say, I'm going to work out seven days a week because you'll probably fail. In fact, don't even go there and try to say, I'm going to work out an hour, three days a week. He says, if you just put on your shoes, just, put, just put, on your, put on your sneakers, put on your gear, stand up, and leave the house, and put 1% in of your week towards the change that you want, you're going to start to see the dial go a different way. Many times we fail because we try to make changes, really big changes, and we fail, and we say, you know what, that didn't work. But if you just change one thing. So rather than changing all your diet, just don't eat potato chips. And french fries. And french fries. <laughs> How come everybody remembers my sins? <laughs> Oh, everybody remembers my sins, don't they? <laughs> but, but, but here's why I want to encourage you. What, what, what is the one small thing that you could change? You know, don't, don't make a change and say, you know, I'm going to be at church a half hour early. That's a good goal. But how about making one change that will get you to church early? One change might be, rather than rushing around in the morning to get my clothes, I, I get my clothes ready Saturday night. You, 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 know, you, you hear what I'm saying? Ra- ra- rather than trying to run around and get my breakfast all set up, I set my breakfast out in the morning, put your cereal in place or put whatever you got in place, and then take care of it, and you'll just get it done earlier. Maybe it's not taking a phone call. Before you come to church, because you know if you get on the phone, the person, that, the person has held you up and they ain't going to church. <laughs> oh, honey child, oh my goodness, look how late it is. Well, bye, I'll talk to you later. They ain't going to no church. Just say, you know, it might be, you know, just having a, or, or saying, you know, all right, I'm just going to have a, a, a quiet time with God so that when I get to church, I'm ready for my spirit. Yeah. Oh, you know, you're, my spirit is now ready so that when the word comes, it's, it's not a shock to me. It's an it's a invitation to say, God, keep speaking. Yeah. 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 One, one change, one, one, one small thing, one small thing. What is the small thing that you need to do to make a significant difference. What might that be? Selah. What might that be? I want to get closer to God. What is the small significant change you got to make to get closer to God? Pick up the Bible and read one scripture. Take you 5 minutes. 5 minutes. Brush your teeth while you're reading. You get two things done. You can read and brush your teeth. 
Multitask. You have to take obedient steps. Take a step. Somebody say, take a step. Take a step. Take a step. Take a step. And tell someone the step that you're going to take so you can be accountable. Tell somebody what you're going to do to take a step, whatever that step is. Last and final one on the putting your feet to faith. When you look at this passage, you see that as the Lord called them, who were the priests, who was bearing the ark, to step in the water. As they stepped in the water, the water began to part. It's different from Moses. Moses had a stick, but he, Joshua has to use his feet. And as the waters become separated, the children of Israel then follow behind, and as the priests are standing in the water because it's at flood stage. They can't get beyond flood stage. They can't go too far because it's at flood stage. So they have to have a miracle for it to happen. And as the priests step in, the waters roll back. What is interesting, as, as I read the passage again and again, I noticed that in two instances where God brought the children of Israel over from Egypt and through the Red Sea and they're bringing again a new generation through the River Jordan, God made sure that they came through on dry ground. Why is dry ground so, so important? Why, why didn't he just say they just went through? And the Lord said to me, well son, sometime people get stuck in the mud. They get, they, they get stuck. While they're, while they're using their faith, they somehow get stuck in the mud. The, the, the mud is the place where you're in the process, but you're wonderfully left where you were, but you're not quite where you need to be, and then you just get stuck. Has anybody ever get stuck at, at any point? You know, there, there are people who could have completed their destinies and they started out well, but somewhere along the line they got stuck. But here's what the Lord did. When, they, when the Lord himself, who's the only one that can move the waters. See, God will do what he does if you do what you're supposed to do. When they stepped in, God then took over and said, all right, I'm going to part the waters and bring them through on dry ground. So what God did, he cut the waters off in front of them. In other words, he stopped the flow of what could make them stuck. Some of us are in problems that constantly are going on and flowing in our lives that keep you stuck. You get a job, you lose a job. <laughs> Two steps forward, three steps backwards. You don't hear what I'm saying. You, you, you know, can't, can't move ahead. And then every year you say, oh, this year's going to be different. Oh, this year's going to be different. Oh, you know what? I'm ready to go. And then here you are. You're into June. Stuck. And God is saying he's going to start cutting some things off that keep you stuck. Some things you just got to cut off that keep you stuck. There are some people that you need to cut because they keep you stuck. They keep you stuck. Have, have you ever looked at people and looked at someone and said, they'd be okay if they didn't have the friends that they had? If, if they would just get with the right people, if they would just get the right kind of people around them, people who have faith, people who are going somewhere, people who want God, people who pray, they could be going somewhere, but no, they just want to hang around Mr. Sticky. And you're having so much fun with Mr. Sticky and going nowhere. God has opened doors for you. 
God has, has, has actually changed the environment. He said, I'm ready to take you to the next level. And here you are stuck in the mud with Mr. Sticky. We have some family members that will keep you stuck in the mud. Every time you move forward, they call you with a crisis. Every time you get your money right, all of a sudden there's something coming in. This is your year to get unstuck. Somebody say unstuck, 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 unstuck. Because you can get comfortable in that mud, you know. There are some, there are some, some animals like, the, like that mud. They, 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 they like the mud. And God is saying right now, you need to come out, cross over, walk in obedience to God so you don't get stuck. Obedience will keep you from getting stuck. And today the Lord is saying, I hear the Lord saying, that's why you need the anointing oil on your life that keeps you from getting stuck. You need to cut off some things and say, God, I, I, I got to cut some stuff off. Because just as you want to go into the promised land, you can't go in with certain things. And if you're stuck, in, stuck in, in hatred and stuck in malice and stuck in disappointment, there's some people who get stuck in offenses. They can't, they can't get over their offenses And because they can't get over their offenses, they never enter into the blessing of God. They're stuck. This is your year to get unstuck. Tell your neighbor, I'm leaving Mr. Sticky. (laughs) See, I I I have another message, but I won't preach it. It's called Leave Lot Alone. Well, see, Abraham was okay until he decided to bring Lot with him. He was okay. He was, he was okay until he wanted to be nice and bring Nephew Boy with him. And once he brought Nephew Boy with him, that's when a whole lot of foolishness started to happen. So you need to leave Lot alone. Come on now. Are you hanging with me? This is the year to put feet to your faith. We're putting feet to our faith. We're going to believe God. We're going to step out of our comfort zones. We're, we're going to say, God, this is a year I'm not going to sit in my comfort zone and, and just kind of, I'm going to have some obedient steps, Lord. I, Lord, I'm just going to do some things, Lord, differently. And I'm going to believe, God, that when you open doors, I'm not going to get stuck. Let's stand and we'll pray. I want, I want to pray for this defining moment because God wants to take you over your Jordan. What Jordan really is, it's a place of death. A place that's meant to defeat you. A place that's meant to destroy you. A place that's meant to overwhelm you. He wants to take you over Jordan. And these are some things that are natural. These are not simply things that are come from devils or anything. This is just natural stuff. And Christians have a problem getting over just natural stuff. They cry about natural stuff. They fall out over natural stuff. It's snowing today. Pastor, are you having church? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? natural stuff. It snows, it rains on the just and the unjust. 
But this is your year to kind of get over some stuff, to overcome it by faith. If you need prayer today, I, I don't know where the Lord has spoken to you. I don't know if he spoke to you about now moving the dial just a little bit by faith or putting your feet one step in front of you, leaving your comfort zone. I don't know what he might be saying to you. But if he's saying something to you, I want you to just come up to this altar right now. Maybe, maybe he said something in, in one of the points, or maybe he said something about leaving your comfort zone. Maybe he said something about taking a step. Maybe he said something about you're stuck and you need to get unstuck. Wherever you're stuck. This is our year to overcome, ladies and gentlemen. It is the year. It is the year. For faith is the victory that overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. My faith overcomes. Your faith overcomes. Could you lay your hands on your, on your heart and say, my faith overcomes? My faith overcomes. It overcomes the world. Father, as we lay our hands on our hearts, we lay our hands on our hearts. Father, it's really an inside job that we need to have done. Lord, some of us are really comfortable. We're, we're really comfortable. We like the security. We like, we like the, the ease. But at the same time, Lord, we know that you're calling us to greater things, that you, that you have something more in mind for us. And so, Lord, we repent. We, we, we call on you because, Lord, we, we are sorry for limiting you and making you so small in our world. Father, I pray that you would give us another chance, another chance, another chance. Lord, to step out into the promise that you have given to us. And Lord, even this moment, because you're such a gracious God, there are promises yet to be experienced, but yet, Lord, help us, Lord, not to be comfortable with what we have. So Lord, I pray, keep us restless. Keep us restless, Lord. Keep us restless. Keep us, keep us in the atmosphere of faith where we have to trust you because it's bigger than we are. It's bigger than our resources. It's bigger than what we can imagine. It's bigger than what we can muster up. It's bigger than what we have calculated. And because it is, you want us to trust you. The Israelites could never get over the, over the Jordan River because it was at flood stage. And Father, no matter how big it is, we already know, Father, that God, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Father, I pray for those, Lord, who need to take a step. Father, we've been talking about goals and aspirations, and we've been talking about what we see and what might be possible. But, Lord, it never will happen unless we take a step. It will never happen unless we begin, Father, a process by which we go towards the goal. Father, I pray, Lord, that even now you're speaking, you're speaking now to specific areas by which we need to take a step. Some is we need to take a step spiritually. We need to take a step spiritually. We need, we need to admit, Lord, that we are just comfortable and we have not taken steps in our spiritual walk with you. That, Lord, we are not, Lord, progressing in our relationship with you. Lord, we have been hearing and hearing and hearing your word about taking steps of faith and taking steps of discipleship and taking steps of obedience. But, Lord, we have not done that. But, God, I pray that we repent of not taking steps. And Lord, I pray for those that are stuck. They're stuck. They're, they're stuck. They, they, they started well, but Lord, somewhere along the line, got discouraged. Somewhere along the line, there was a roadblock. Somewhere along the line, there was difficulty. Somewhere along the line, somebody said something to them that was negative. Somewhere along the line, they fell in the mud. But I pray, Lord, that God... Just as we have fallen naturally, we don't stay there. We dust ourselves off. I pray, Lord, that God, that we would 
understand and know, Lord, that you want to settle the ground under us. I pray for every relationship, every, every relationship, God, that we have, that, Lord, we're not going to be stuck with Mr. or Miss Sticky. That, God, we recognize, Lord, that there are things and people around us, Lord, to just keep us in the mud and keep us, Lord, from experiencing destiny. That, that the inertia, Lord, is such a pull, Lord, that we're not able to go forward. So, Father, I just pray that you could put good people around us to, to stir us and, and put people around us to, to prod us and put good people around us, Lord, that will say there's more in you, that, that you can do more, you can have more, you can be more. I see that God has, a, has his hand on your life. I, I see that God is doing some great things in your life and that if you'll only take another step, even though you are stuck here, don't stay here. I pray in the name of Jesus for this house that as we move forward and even we experiencing battles and discomfort and places, Lord, where we're unsure that, God, you prove yourself to be alive. Thank you for being alive, Lord. Thank you. I thank you for being alive. And I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that, God, that after you bring us out, we're not going to give the credit to a man or a woman, a boy or girl, or, or, um, or the things that we, we thought about and that we were so smart. But, Father, we're going to say, God, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. Great things that you have done. We're going to understand and know, God, that you are alive and well. And so I pray in the name of Jesus that we would have a mindset. A mindset to attain everything that you have for us because that's success. Thank you for the grace that you give us, the power of the Holy Ghost that's in us, and I worship you. Would you lift your hands and worship God right now as we worship? Would you worship him right now? Just worship him. Just worship him. Come on, let's just worship him. Just give him praise and worship. Just worship him. 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 Worship him. Worship him. Open your mouth and worship him. Father, we're blessing you. We're we're honoring you. We give you praise. Learn how to give him. Take a step to honor him and worship. Take that step to voice forth the praises of God. We bless your name, Father. We bless your name, Father. We bless your name, Father. You're worthy, Father. We're worthy, Father. You're worthy, Father. You're worthy, Father. You're worthy, Father. Holy Spirit, you are welcome.